Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Buyers Auto. If you're buying an auto, go to buyersauto.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. We are, again, um, trying to just keep up with the world of uh, Ohio State football recruiting in a time when not a lot is happening. The the avalanche of commitments that the Buckeyes uh, uh, were fortunate enough to experience in March has uh, receded, surpassed us. Uh, we are now looking at a, probably a pretty dry spell for Ohio State heading into the next month or two. There is, as we mentioned in the last episode of Talking Stuff, still an outside shot, I guess, that J.C. Latham, the four-star offensive lineman from the IMG Academy, could pop this month uh, if he doesn't change his plans. But Spencer, so much has changed that it's hard to just predict what anyone's going to do. You see every day just dozens of kids dropping top schools lists because they're realizing, well, I don't have a whole lot else to do right now, so maybe I should start narrowing this down. Well, when you're going to school and you're getting in the gym and you're uh, hanging out with your friends, you don't have a lot of time to just sit down day by day and just say, hey, what are my top seven schools? What are my top – some of these guys do like top – 37 schools or whatever right. it's like well now that you're quarantined you might as well sit down evaluate your list of everything that you've compiled I don't even know what these guys do because I didn't get recruited um, but like you know if they have a list or something of things they want to check off boxes they need to find then you know you can go through it right now and you don't have anything else to do when you're sitting at home and uh, figure out who your top schools are I think it's kind of a, an advantage for these guys to be to have a little bit of a t- downtime just because they can they can sort some things out and you might see some more educated decisions because these guys, if they visited the schools, they can really truly sit down and say, what was it about this school that I liked? And you're also getting right now, because there's no spring football in colleges around the country, coaches have a lot more time to spend on the phone with recruits and trying to get a hold of recruits. So you might actually see an increase in communication for some kids right now, as opposed to a normal year, but obviously you're losing the on-campus visits. But again, as we've talked about, I mean, are those things really important for anyone other than the parents? And I don't think that they are. I really don't think many kids, unless you're going to a place like Stanford or Notre Dame or, you know, Duke, uh, one of those upper echelon academic schools, and you are really worried about how to get to this class or this class, which, you know, I know Ohio State's recruiting uh, smart kids and kids who are very interested in academics, but the Buckeyes have a way of showing them saying, Hey, this is where everything is. You're right here. You're going to be taken care of. So, um, you know, I think that the, the interesting thing is how kids have decided. And let me stretch that. I think it shows me that there are so many kids out there that have been just kind of playing the recruiting game because they can, because they have time to do so. And now all of a sudden you see a world where they're like, well, what else, what else am I going to do? May as well actually make a decision. Um, and then you see some kids like Noah Josie, the offensive lineman from Brentwood in Tennessee, who told me over the weekend, you know, I'm not going to let this stuff slow me down. It, it, I'm going to make my decision by June. That's when I'm going to do it. And other kids are picking it up. Other kids are slowing it down. It's just fascinating to see how everyone handles this unprecedented situation differently. Yeah, it is interesting, you know, and everybody, I thought when this first happened that everybody would handle this kind of the same and it would just kind of go silent, but there have been so many different ways of doing it by so many different people that it, it is interesting. It's kind of a case study as to what would happen if recruiting just kind of took a back seat. Uh, you know, everybody's just doing things on their own time. And I think that's kind of right. interesting the way this cycle is going to work out. And, uh, 
you know, like you said, the communication thing, I think we have a question that we'll take here a little bit about, you know, how do you keep these guys in the class and how do you keep them from decommitting? Well, I think this is going to strengthen the class because these coaches, like you said, they have more time right now to contact all these kids. These kids know exactly where they stand in their, right. in their own respective class because the coaches don't have anything other to do. Other, they don't yeah, have anything and, else and to their do. Peers, and their peers have a more of an opportunity to reach out and to, you know, you can spend four or five hours a day now playing, you know, Call of Duty as opposed to what you couldn't do before because you were in class. And so you have these unique ways of, people communicating and staying, um, you know, in touch with each other. And now you just have more time to do it. So uh, let's just dive in there, Spencer. I don't want to waste too much of people's time with my and your jibber jabber. So we ask readers uh, for questions and we did that again on Sunday morning. You said we got a couple responses. Let's, let's get them and let's see if we can dive into what those folks are wondering. So before we do that, I just want to mention we are talking about how we're going to send some swag to people for swag. the questions. Yeah. When this whole thing is lifted and we can get back in the office, we'll be doing that. Um, I've got a list of everybody who we've answered questions from. Um, so I, I know who it is. Uh, if you haven't gotten your stuff yet, just understand that we're not in the office either. We're at home too, quarantining. So whenever this thing, you know, whenever we can get back to a little bit of a semblance of normal life, we'll be sending some stuff out to people. So I just wanted to clear the air on that okay, um, so people – so people think don't think we've forgotten about sending them some stuff. We will never forget you, people. All right. Um, oh, this is a good one because I think it's a good launching point for what we can talk about. Um, Emmett from Michigan. So uh-huh. there you go, Berm. Asks if the Buckeyes miss on Stellato and Abuka, are they done in the class? Possibly. No. Could, um, could I, they I, possibly? No, I don't think that they will be done uh, at wide receiver if that happens. I think that there's still a handful of guys out there. There's Christian Leary, the new kid that they offered just two weeks ago from Edgewater down in Florida who they really like. And I'm going to go so far as to say they they like him enough that if he wanted to commit today, they'd let him. And that would force Stilato or Abuka out. Um, So there's definitely players like him available. There's still plenty of time to recruit other kids. Caden Prather in Maryland is one that they also are uh, like. And then you know, part of me just keeps going back to Lorenzo Styles Jr. And I know he's been committed to Notre Dame for six months now. There's a lot of discussion lately about him potentially flipping to Michigan. Uh, I, I think that ultimately if it came down to it and Ohio State was able to figure out a way to get him into the offense in Columbus, that he would still be receptive to at least having a conversation um, so no, I mean, I, they're going to take three receivers at least in this class. And, uh, if it's the right four, I think they would fit in four for sure. Okay. That was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, uh, Zach, Zach from Columbus asks, what is it about Ryan day and the coaching staff's approach to recruiting that should leave fans confident that this class remains fully intact because there are so many commits this early in the ongoing situation. Well, if you listened to the Mark Pantone video, audio, video, whatever, from Friday when he did a teleconference with uh, the Ohio State media, it it was pretty clear Ryan Day is the tip of the spear for Ohio State recruiting. And that is such a vital part of the entire organization because if your leader is not aggressive and effective and uh, consistent when it comes to recruiting – you really do find an opportunity for the assistant coaches and the staff below them to follow the same way. And Ryan Day sets an expectation uh, as far as recruiting goes. 
and he hasn't let up off of it. He was one of the best recruiters uh, in Urban Meyer staff when he got there in 2017. He's consistently uh, been an incredible closer when it comes to recruiting um, guys that he didn't really know, but then got to know them and helped close the deal, like Zach Harrison, for example. Um, but ultimately, this situation that we're in being so unprecedented, like we said earlier, I think it really allows for Ryan Day to spend more time getting to know these commits now than he ever would have before. And I, I think that that sort of ability is only going to strengthen the class because, yeah, you have the, the outlier condition, the outlier case like Travion Henderson, who obviously everyone's always going to be worried about that one more than anything. Number one, it's because of what happened a year ago with Bajan Robinson. Number two, it's because he's never visited campus. I get it. But that kid is not an emotional reactor to things, okay? He didn't commit to Ohio State on a whim. Um, and the relationship with Tony Alford and with Ryan Day and Al Washington, and now the relationship he's building with the rest of the Ohio State commitments, um, I think it's only going to make that first visit to campus you know, exponentially better for Travion Henderson than it would have been otherwise. And I, I, I don't see it as a problem. I, I know that people are used to this world where kids decommit, but, you know, Ohio state is not a place where kids often decommit from. And I, I even reluctant to put Bajan Robinson and Jalen Knighton in that conversation because they never publicly committed. So you, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, I guess, but, the, the weight of a commitment when it's made publicly and the difficulty in reneging on it is so much greater than if it's done privately. Once you put yourself out there and you put your name on it and you tell the world, this is where I'm going, it's hard for these kids to come out and look like a flopper, uh, you know, somebody who is, is uncertain or, uh, you know, weak of character. Cause I guess that's what people think about the commitments, but you know, I just don't see it happening. I, I think one of the things about decommitments that we need to remember is like Clark Phillips is the exception yeah. to, to it all. Like Clark Phillips, uh, I can think of Emory Jones, um, Brenton Cox was in the class at one point. Right. Yep. Um, so like, and I, those are really the only three I can think of in the last, what, three or four years. There's been more, but the reality is guys that actually want that Ohio state was um, hopeful to re retain let's just leave it at that i mean clark phillips is pr pretty much the only one back even like brenton cox is a really good player and ohio state wanted him and there's no doubt about that but when in some instances you see players putting out um red flags i guess about what they're looking for what they want out of the process and you take a commitment from a kid like a Brenton Cox because he's really talented, but you do that aware of the fact that, Hey, we're entering it in a, in a world um, that's different than what Ohio state usually uh, has to deal with. And so you start to see those red flags pop up. And um, once that happens, the Buckeyes begin looking for alternate um, avenues to replace him. I mean, Emory Jones, even, still, go ahead. Even then, you know, the decommitments are still the exception. They're not the rule. Yeah. I mean, Emory Jones still wanted to go to Ohio state. He was still looking for an Ohio state letter of intent um, in December of 2018 when, but the Buckeyes decided they wanted Matthew Baldwin instead. And 
Um, obviously that didn't work out for them in that respect because Baldwin transferred anyway, but you know, Emory Jones situation is, is a, is a very good case of showing like what can happen in recruiting. The kid wanted to see things and wanted to take options and wanted to explore things. And when that happens, you force the team that you're committed to, to do the same thing. And at some point they are going to look at other players and say, hey, maybe this kid is less likely to be dramatic. Maybe this kid is less likely to cause us, um, you know, if it comes down to it and we don't know that your quarterback, I mean, that's the important thing with Emory Jones, I guess. You're talking about the quarterback, the leader of your class, the kid who had been committed longer than anybody. And if he's not sure he wants to be involved, if he's not sure 100% that he wants to be there and still wants to visit all these other schools, you're, you're sort of forced as a program – to say, okay, go ahead. Like we're going to find someone else. Um, and that's what Ohio state did, but you know, that's think, a rare case. I think the decommitment questions did not start until Trayvon Henderson, just because I think everybody's so nervous about losing him. No, I, I, think I agree. Morgan, I mean, it, it, like I said, it's because of the Bajan Robinson thing last year. And it's because of the fact that he hasn't visited campus, but it's, it's not worth being spooked about right now. If you're an Ohio state fan, because quite frankly, he's not, he committed without visiting because he wanted to go to Ohio state. Um, if he wasn't sure about that, he didn't need to commit. Ohio state was not going to uh, lose the spot for Travion Henderson. If he wanted it in June instead of uh, April, knowing full well that Donovan Edwards was still out there and also not making a decision anytime soon. So I don't think that it's a situation that people should allow themselves to spend too much time worrying about. And I know, and I want to, sorry, Spencer, I know you're getting ready to talk. Um, I had written in the uh, April to-do list uh, on lettermanrow.com earlier this week that one of the things Ohio State needed to do this month was to not have any decommitments. And people assumed that I was being cryptic or something or suggesting that there's something on the way. And that's just not the case. It's just, I'm saying from a, from a big picture perspective, this month is about building relationships with your commits and not taking anything for granted. That's all. All right. Uh, next question is from Mike in Orville, South Car- in South Carolina. Oh. Wow. Uh-oh. Is this a Clemson question? No, it is not actually, but it's a long question. Uh, when, Berm, when you're out on the trail and you see or hear from a reliable source that a recruit has poor character and has made bad decisions, do you drop them in your evaluation or even cover them less and vice versa. When you meet a recruit, like uh, he lists Evan Spencer, Terry McLaurin, Okuda, Joe Burrow with great character and leadership while in high school, does it elevate uh, their ranking in your eyes and do you cover them more? And then he adds, do you want the Buckeyes to get them even more? But I don't think you care if the Buckeyes get these guys or not. Um, but yeah, do you- I like that question. Um, I, I, and I want to answer it as, as properly as I can. Number one, I don't care if a kid goes to Ohio State, so I want to be clear about that. Um, I'm not going to lie about that. I grew up an Ohio State fan, so people, you know, they know that, but I don't care. Um, I do cover kids less when they are, A, less likely to be able to respond and engage in, in fruitful conversation because it's no point in doing that. So I certainly don't um, – approach them as often because I don't want to take one word answers to readers and be like, here's a story because that's not a story. 
it's clear to me if a kid is responding that way that he is either a not comfortable talking to the media or b not interested in Ohio State. Therefore, I don't need to cover him. So, um, do I find myself wanting to promote better kids who are um, high high level kids character wise like Terry McLaurin? Hell yeah, I do. I mean, that's just simple facts. I mean, you want to, I want to promote great kids and I, I like doing what I do because I get the opportunity to do that. Um, but ultimately my job is to cover Ohio state recruiting and I don't feel compelled to write stories about and or um, update the recruitments of kids who are not going to Ohio state. So a lot of times um, we'll use AJ Kirk for an example of that, like the four star uh, defensive back from Dublin Kaufman High School, the younger brother of Michael Doss, former Buckeye All-American. No, it didn't seem like that was going to end up in Ohio State's direction months ago. So I just stopped writing about him because I don't want to waste my time or readers' times by writing about kids that aren't going to end up at Ohio State. If, if there's um, questions about why someone's not or whatever, if I can tactfully and respectfully discuss it with people, um, I'm more than willing to to put a, a stamp on the end of a recruiting story like that. But at the same time, if it's ongoing, I'm not trying to denigrate any kids or suggest that they're bad kids or whatever um, and keep, you know, I don't want – it's just not my job to talk about them unless they're going to Ohio State, interested in Ohio State, or Ohio State's interested in them. So it just doesn't make a lot of sense for me to spend too much time pumping up kids um, – egos are talking about kids that aren't going to end up in Columbus because there's 5,000 kids every year to talk to. And I, I have to sort of sift through them all and figure out which ones are real enough to, to deal with. I, it's kind of, you know, you always say you got to read the tea leaves in recruiting and you have to do that for your job, but yeah. fans should read the tea leaves in what they're reading. Right. Absolutely. Like, because like I'll use an example when I first got on, when I first came aboard almost a year ago now, it's kind of hard to believe. Um, Mikhail Sherman, you were writing about him all the time. Right. By the time, by two months into my tenure at Letterman Row, I ask you about him. He's completely off the board. Yeah. And it's just, okay, something, there was a disconnect, there was a disconnect there. So you don't write about him anymore. I think that's just a good example of like, when, when there's yeah. interest, you'll write about it. When there's not, you won't. I just don't see the point in, in selling bad news, I guess. Like, I'm going to be honest with people. And, you know, when the Mikhail Sherman um, recruitment sort of stopped, I told people they're, they're going to be moving on. Ohio State's moving on, moving in a different direction. Um, that was, you know, during his official visit. I said it the next day. Okay, I've been – it's not – this one's not going to happen. And once, once I say that, I don't feel the need to rehash it over and over and over again because it doesn't do anybody any good. And it's, it's not fair to the kid. It's not fair to the school that I cover. Um, it's not fair to their families. It's not, you know, once it's done, there is no value for me in, in, in covering something that isn't going to end up, um, being an interesting story to Buckeyes fans, because, um, if he's not, I mean, that is a good example, but you know, I I mean, Keely Ringo is another good example. I mean, there's guys, every class, the good example. Keely Ringo, right. I mean, he was never going to end up at Ohio state. And so I wrote about Ricks. Elias Ricks. I mean, there was there was some hope. There was glimmers of hope for Ohio State, uh, according to staff members and, and and sources I talked to. But 
when it came to like Keely Ringo, I wrote about him in November of 2018 when he made a visit to the school and never really wrote about him again because there was no reason to, he wasn't going to Ohio state and, and everybody knew it. Um, and so there was no point in even, uh, this is one area think, where, sorry, go ahead. I, would, I wouldn't say everybody knew it, but go ahead. Well, a lot of people uh, knew it, but this is one area where being that Letterman row is not a subscription site. I don't feel that I need to like put a five-star player's name in a headline in order to try to lure people into the site. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not, I'm not saying that when other sites do that, it's clickbait or whatever. If you have a quote from a kid saying, I'm still interested in Ohio state, I still want to visit. That's great. But if you uh, are reading between the lines and understand that just because someone's saying something doesn't mean it's real, then you can sift through that and properly tell the story of what's going on in the class without invoking random five-star names just because people want to hear them. And, and I, maybe I should do a better job. Maybe if people want to hear about guys that aren't going to Ohio state, please tell me and I'll write about can, them more often. We can do plenty of shows about why certain recruits aren't going to Ohio state. I mean, that, that is a decent show topic to be honest. Well, maybe after the I, fact, after the fact. Yeah. I mean, I, I simply, the, the way that I have handled it for now going on 10 years is that, if they're not going to Ohio state, um, I, I don't feel like the people reading my work are going to want to read about them. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Next question. Do we got okay. any more? Yep. We've got plenty more. Uh, Pat, no state, no, no last name. Just Ooh, Pat. It's Pat. Who's that? It's Pat. Pat wants to know how high do you think Jalen Davies is on the cornerback board? Jalen Davies is the same as Hunter Washington. He's the, you know, the same right now as um, anybody who's not been to campus. And Jalen Davies is very good. He's out, out at Matter Day High School in California, one of the best schools in the country. Obviously, an area Ohio State wants to get involved in. Um, but Jalen Davies is one of those kids who said repeatedly for the last year, I'm going to visit Ohio State, I'm going to visit Ohio State, and hasn't done it. And at that point, now that we're in the middle of this uh, pandemic issue, is he ever going to visit Ohio State? I, I don't know. Is it possible for kids to commit without visiting? Sure, it is. If you're a five-star running back from Virginia and you're a state away instead of 4,000 miles away, it's a lot easier to consider that. So right now, I don't – I know Jalen Davis. Uh, I've talked to him a lot in the last year. He says the right things. He's obviously interested in Ohio State. Kerry Combs is um, – you know, examining a lot of options out West Denzel Burke at uh, Saguaro high school in Scottsdale is another one of those guys that's in that same mix. Like until he visits, I think it's probably um, a lot of wishful thinking. All right. And then this is the last question. Uh, guy from a place I just visited, actually a guy from oh. Burlington, Vermont named Sam. Um, go to a, uh, uh, what was the play? Bluebird barbecue in, Wood in uh, Burlington, Vermont. Sam, if you're listening, Go give some barbecue for me. Uh, if you had to guess, what does Larry Johnson's remaining board on the defensive line look like? Ideally, break it into defensive end and defensive tackle if possible, but understand some guys are currently both or either. Um, he says it can or can include or exclude Damian Robinson, as I assume Larry will still recruit him. And then I wanted to add the question, uh, just add on to his, because I am kind of curious for you, Berm. Uh, 
does this whole thing throw a wrench into the way Larry Johnson recruits? Because he's more so than anything. More than anything. He relies on he relies on camps more than any other coach. Um, he loves to have these guys on campus to really get to know him. He's a very, like I said, methodical recruiter. So when we lay this board out, you know, this can all change because Larry Johnson's got to reevaluate the way he recruits in 2021. Yeah, there is no Ohio State coach who's more impacted by the lack of visits and the potential loss of camp season than Larry Johnson. So let's just start there because, as you mentioned, I wrote about it earlier this week, but for Larry Johnson to not have the time to work with these kids in person um, and to, to work on their, their technique and to teach them in person, the kids lose a valuable opportunity potentially because um, even if they don't end up at Ohio State, they're going to be a better defensive lineman from that day of working with Larry Johnson. Uh, but Ohio State loses a, a lot of, um, I don't want to say cachet, but they lose a little oomph from what Larry Johnson brings because so many times kids, uh, I mean, these are Ohio kids I'm going to mention, so it maybe doesn't seem quite the same, but Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison are those guys, right, who they worked with Larry Johnson multiple times before uh, getting to Ohio State. And those two were going to different schools. They were not going to go to Ohio State. And then to find out from both of them, they'll both say the reason they picked Ohio State was because when they worked with Larry Johnson in person, they became a better player immediately. And they wanted that to continue um, to get them to the next level. As far as the board for Ohio State now, it's hard to say because you just don't know what Larry Johnson's thinking a year ago, nobody in their right mind would have assumed that uh, Larry Johnson was going to, was actually recruiting Ty Hamilton uh, as aggressively as he was. Ty Hamilton, obviously the younger brother of Devon Hamilton, you know, was at an Ohio state practice in March last year. And everyone there was like, Oh, who cares? They're not recruiting him. And then two months later he was committed because that's what Larry Johnson does. He does not care more than anybody. And I know, Mark Pantone said this on Friday and Ryan Day said it in the past as well. Stars aren't that important to them, but more than anybody on the Ohio state staff, Larry Johnson is interested in Larry Johnson's guys. Like that's it. Um, and that's why it's hard to, to know who he's really chasing. Uh, you know, you can only judge it on the kids in their interest in Ohio state. Taiwan Malone, uh, the defensive tackle from New Jersey. He is definitely on the list. Uh, JT Tuamalo out in Washington is definitely on the list. Damian Robinson, who just committed to Maryland, is definitely on the list. Tumiche Adeleye is on the list. Um, Javari Ritzy is on the list. Uh, Marcus Bradley is on the list. But who actually fits the program um, and positionally, uh, as we've talked about over and over in last year, Ohio State wants to avoid, if they can, linemen who are uh, earmarked for one position. They want guys that are positionless. They want six foot five, 260 pound defensive linemen who can play anywhere. And if they get up to 285 pounds, so what? They can still play the end. They can still play inside. They can still do a lot of stuff. So, you know, they offered a new defensive tackle on uh, Saturday from uh, uh, Virginia. He's a six foot four, 320 pound guy. So you might say, you know, he's more of an interior all the way type guy as a one tech similar to Taiwan Malone. Um, 
you know, there, there's guys like Monkel Goodwine who Ohio State is not chasing. Obviously, he dropped a, a top five just the other day, and the Buckeyes were not in it. So they they've sort of backed out of that one. Um, but who's actually on the list? It's hard to say because. Larry Johnson is so different in the way he approaches this than any other coach. So it's not like you can realistically look at the top 20 defensive linemen in the country and say, oh, he's definitely recruiting this guy, this guy, and this guy, because it does not matter one bit to Larry Johnson. Yeah, it's like guys that you, you didn't name, like Shamber Jackson, who just released his list in Ohio State's on it, but he's never visited. Guys like Landon Jackson, who you had written about a little right. bit uh, in the past. You know, those guys weren't on what you just said, but you just don't know because he – There's so many of them out there. That's the other problem. Like, I mean, we could name 30 guys that potentially are on that list. And I mean, you could even look at guys from in the state who are missing out on working with Larry Johnson, right. like Najee Story from Solon yeah. and other guys. You know, that this whole summer thing – um, I think that's a really good question uh, to talk uh, it, about. It's, it is the most it. important position. I, I, I wrote that this week. Like when it comes to 2021, what's the most important remaining position for Ohio State? And I wrote that it's the defensive line. And I think that this combination of events is what makes it so important because Larry Johnson is, is going to be forced to do things in a way that Larry Johnson doesn't normally do them if he loses the June camps. And we're only – probably you know one more pushback of things from happening to to wipe that out so it's it's kind of interesting to me because uh we always know larry johnson is like oh you know he's always got something up his sleeve you, you know he, it's almost like he's always got an ace in the hole um you know just ready to ready to play but it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this cycle with with the way that things are, are panning out right now because yeah and the great news is that he does have two aces in the hole right now because he's got a five-star defensive end and Jack Sawyer and a top 100 player and Michael Hall committed. So you do at least have those two. Yeah. You got two very good pieces in in place, but now it's about figuring guys out to Adelaide is a perfect example of that. I mean, people I know are saying that he's closer to six foot one or six foot two. Uh, And if that's the case, I just don't know how he can be a defensive end in the big 10 at six foot two, 275 pounds or whatever he's at. I mean, to me, that sounds like an interior guy, but he says he wants to be a defensive end all the way. Uh, so you just have all these moving parts. You have the Damian Robinson thing. Kids commit to their hometown schools early sometimes. And then when that school, if it doesn't produce on the field, like they want to see, we'll open things back up. I mean, call, is it... call Dwayne Haskins. Right. Exactly. I mean, you, you have opportunities here to see what happens in November for guys that you really are chasing. Damian Robinson is at a one a on that list for Ohio state, as far as defensive ends go. So um, there's just all these moving parts. And the biggest moving part of all is that Larry Johnson is going to likely lose his camp opportunities with these kids. And that changes everything for him. I do want to add, I do want to add, uh, I listen to a lot of recruiting stuff, not just us, because I like to get different perspectives. Sure. I've heard two different I've heard two different national recruiting analysts say that Damian Robinson's the best pass rusher in the class. Uh, uh, that's best pass rusher in the that, class. That's what Ohio State has believed for a while. So until Damian Robinson signs on the dotted line to go to College Park and play for Michael Oxley, I believe Ohio State will recruit him until it's over. Yeah, there's no no doubt they will. I mean, the Buckeyes have done very well in Maryland traditionally. Uh, if if the Terrapins go out and lose their first three Big Ten games, you know, by a combined 140 points, all of a sudden it gets real hard to stay committed to a team that uh, isn't winning. When you're watching the teams like Ohio State and Alabama that are chasing you, you know, dominating. Win. So we'll Win. See. 
Anyway, um, I think we're good here, Spencer. This has been Talking Stuff brought to you by Buyers Auto. If you're looking for an auto, go to buyersauto.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. We will catch you guys on the flip side. What is the flip side? Till next time. The next time we're next here. Next time we talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess that is like the flip side of this conversation. Yeah, because we'll, be we'll still be in quarantine. So we yeah, I'm still going to be talk, here, so. Might we'll as well talk, talk more stuff. stuff. Yeah. Bye-bye.